Are you living the life of your dreams with the partner of your dreams? If not, stay tuned in for this weekend edition of Sexy Confidence Breaks Beds with Lady Eva, Dating Bootcamp Coach. As promised, I have Terry Holland, and she changed the name of her company, Terry Holland Co., right? Yeah. I checked out your, uh, uh, your website. She is a trainer of NLP. Uh, she's in hypnosis, time-life therapy, high-performance coach. And I know that she's very successful with the podcast and with her business. Her podcast in Japan achieved number 15 on place yes. 15. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you have to go out of the country to make it uh, work. Well, I've been number one in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to say anything because my listeners, they are mostly from the States and from UK and things like that. Canada is really low. I don't think we need to know anything about dating. (laughs) But I believe that everything we kind of we're going to talk about it just not in business because I know you are a business coach Mm -hmm. but also in personal relationships in um, romantic relationships everything comes together so uh, I'm so happy because you helped me to start Mm -hmm. the podcast you were mentoring me and this is going to be the 100th episode I have never believed that I'm going to have so much to talk or so many things to talk about. <laughs> and it's going to be one year. It's the one year this month that I started. So I want to thank you first because I wouldn't be where I'm at without your support and with your, without your help. Now, how are you? How is everything? I, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And congratulations on reaching your 100th episode. Thank it's, you. You know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of commitment to, first of all, launch a show like this and then to see it all the way through and to get to your 100th episode is a really big accomplishment. So congratulations. Thank you so much. I, you know what? I'm, I'm very proud of, of this podcast. I'm really proud of. Sometimes I didn't know what I'm going to get through it, but I did and I love it. <laughs> yeah, good job. Yeah. I have been uh, I have been uh, listening to to some of your podcasts, and um, I know now what's going on around the world and here too. It's fear. I mean, come on, what coronavirus has to do with your bum? I mean, toilet paper is running out of of Costco. I mean, seriously, I understand food, uh, water, and everything, but I mean how you deal with fear, how you, what you do, like if you have clients. Oh, for sure. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's funny to me when I see how people are responding to this and it's, it's the toilet paper thing is funny to me. <laughs> I was thinking about it just today because I saw a friend posting about like, what is going on? Why is there no toilet paper at Costco? And it makes me kind of laugh. Cause like you said, what does coronavirus have to do with your bum? <laughs> and if people, it's just fear. So people aren't rational when they're thinking in fear. So they're, they're worried they're going to be under lockdown and not able to leave the house. And so the thing they're worried about is what am I going to wipe my bum with if I'm quarantined at home? And it's, uh, you know, not necessarily what am I going to eat, but what am I like? I'm going to clean myself. 
Yeah, so there is always newspaper. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it, so it's funny to me, like what, where people's priorities, we really see their priorities come out <laughs> when they're under this immense cloud of fear. And so really, you know, and there's all these conspiracy theories around about the coronavirus. And I think if, if there's any conspiracy theory I'd believe at this point is that this was a manufactured illness created by the toilet paper companies because they <laughs> they're certainly profiting right? it's a good one that's a good one. Oh my god that's so funny but in you know in all seriousness fear is a very um fear is a very pervasive and real issue and in the irony that I see is that fear weakens the immune system so here we have a population afraid of getting sick and the fear itself is going to weaken the immune system and lower defenses against the virus that they're afraid of getting. So it's, and if we look historically, every few years, there's some sort of, um, some sort of pandemic level virus that, that breaks out. And, you know, and we've, we've been okay so far. So it's, to me, fear is not the answer. It's just being aware of what's going on in the world right? Because fear doesn't keep us safe. And a lot of people think that fear keeps them safe. Fear doesn't keep you safe. What keeps you safe is being aware of your surroundings, you know, being aware of what you can do, wash your hands, right? Like it's, you know, wash your hands, take your vitamins, drink your water, and be mindful of your surroundings, stay away from sick people, maybe, maybe stay out of big stores like Costco right now, where there's a lot of people, around, right? So it's doing what you can to keep yourself and your immune system healthy, but not giving into the fear that's out there. And, you know, because that's, that's actually counterproductive in terms of your immune system, fear weakens the immune system. You know, it reminds me of that saying, fear the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I'm fearful of certain things, but I do it every day, even though I'm fearful because you cannot live your, your life in a bubble. No, no. And it's, you know, I'm someone, I used to have a lot of fear. I used to make all my decisions based on fear. It governed over my entire life and it didn't keep me safe. It didn't protect me. It kept me playing small and it kept my life in a little, you know, it was like I was living in a little box. So it's, um, and you know, I've heard that saying before, we've all heard it, like feel the fear and do it anyway, like you said. And I say, let go of the fear and do it anyway. And that's one of the gifts of the work that I do in timeline therapy is you can let go of fear because most fear is completely irrational. In fact, I have yet to find a warranted valid fear, like a real fear that's valid and warranted. All fear, in my opinion, is completely irrational. And I know I'm sort of on an extreme view of it now. Um, but fear has no function. It doesn't keep us safe. It doesn't protect us. And fear really, from my perspective, is just an illusion. I think we should get rid of what if, because that creates the fear and anxiety. And you think about something and you are imposing it on yourself, but it, it did not happen. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Right. But yeah, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's uh, Tad James, who is my trainer in NLP. He said, anxiety is a warning from your unconscious mind to focus on what you want. Mm-hmm. So when we have anxiety, when we're worried about the future, it, we're just focused on what we don't want. And the thing is, is you, you get what you focus on. 
You have a conscious mind and you have an unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is programmed to create whatever it is you're focused on, whether it's good or bad, whether it's what you want or what you don't want. And when we're focusing on what we don't want, the body produces anxiety. Now, the thing is, is the future hasn't happened yet. So why not just focus on it being the way you want it and on the outcomes that you want to achieve? It's the analogy I use. It's like a sports team. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you watch sports? Sometimes, not really. No? Not much. Well, let's say, let's use hockey as an example, because we're Canadian. We can, <laughs> we can relate to hockey. So, you know, if I ask any group of people and I say, who's the best team in the league, they'll give me an answer. And I say, who's the worst team in the league? And they'll give me another answer. So let's just, let's just say that the, the best team in the NHL is about to play the worst team in the NHL tonight, which I don't know, might be our Canucks, but so let's say, <laughs> my husband would, my husband would lose his mind if I actually he agrees, but um, so let's say those two teams are up against each other tonight. Now with the coach of the, the worst team in the league, does the coach go into the dressing room and say, oh, you guys, you're terrible. You're the worst players in the league or the worst team. We have no chance to win. In fact, the best we can hope for is that you just stay on your feet tonight. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just forfeit and go get a beer instead? He doesn't say that. Instead, he goes into the dressing room and he says, your winners, your champions, go out there and play like the winners that I know you are. You've got this. You can do this. You are winners. Go show them that you're winners. So if he knows that they're the worst team in the league, why would he possibly do that? And it's because he knows, he knows that statistically on any given game night, any team has a chance to win, but they only have a chance to win if they believe they can. And that's what we're doing when we're thinking about the outcomes we don't want, when we're worrying about the future, we're worrying about the what ifs that could possibly go wrong. What we're doing is it's like we're lining up all of our, our team and saying you have no chance to succeed. And from that point on, there's no chance of success. You know the movies when you watch? I, I love movies. I don't watch as many as I used to. But it says, if a person is not fearful, you have to be careful because they have nothing to lose. So mm -hmm. what if you get to that point that you just let it go, you're not fearful? Mm -hmm. What do you have to lose? Exactly. And you have everything to gain. Yes. Or you stay in the same place, but it does, it cannot get worse. No. And there's really, like, when we look at fear, what is there to be afraid of? I live in a neighborhood, you know, for example, I live in a neighborhood that has bears. And I see bears occasionally walking down my street. I could be afraid of the bears. I could choose to be afraid of them. I could hide inside my house and be afraid to walk my dog in case there's a bear outside. But that doesn't keep me safe. And that doesn't change the fact that there are bears outside. All that does do is it limits what I can do every day. It limits my choice in life. Now, if I let go of that fear of bears and I instead just take an awareness of my surroundings, that's what's going to keep me safe. If I run into a bear outside, fear won't protect me. What will is an awareness of my surroundings, knowing where I am and being able to clearly see the situation and remove myself from it safely, not being afraid of the bear. Yeah, because staying calm, it's always helps. It's the same thing with 
I think with dating, you know, be be aware. Don't be afraid. It's you know, you never know what can happen. Just let it go and 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 see. I I just did a, a podcast uh, this uh, Wednesday about uh, this show that I'm watching. Is love blind or something? Oh, I like love that. that show. Love is blind. Yeah, love is blind. And I'm like, I really got into it. I I did like four hours of watching in the weekend, and it was really it's really interesting. The, the communication, the synergy, the uh, how things turn around when you know there is uh, there is a lot of fear a lot mm-hmm. of uh, if you if you look at look at it everybody's okay. like oh i'm going to lose this person or i don't i'm not good enough it's just very fascinating mm-hmm. to watch that show yeah i can't wait to see what happens when they introduce oh, to them. i won't spoil it for you but i've watched mm-hmm. the whole thing and it's fascinating yeah i can't wait and the narcissist guy oh yeah oh totally and i'm like oh my god look there it is i she's so lucky that she got rid of him in the beginning oh yeah oh my god that was really something yeah drama Hmm. oh yeah and there's more drama i can imagine wait (laughs) thank you i'm going to start watching again this weekend so um when you have somebody who's that fearful, NLP does help or only the time-life therapy helps? Well, timeline therapy comes from NLP. Okay. So it's a, it's a part of NLP. It's a part of our branch of NLP that I studied from. So timeline therapy was created by Dr. Tad James, mm-hmm. and it's coming out of NLP and hypnotherapy. And it's like, uh, it's like taking NLP and putting it on steroids. It's takes it to okay. a whole other level. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's timeline therapy is a, a proven way of letting go of past negative emotions, limiting decisions, beliefs, and creating a very compelling future. You know, I can't wait. I could not go to your um, NLP uh, presentation. I can't wait to, uh, for you to have it again because... If I have to crawl, I'm going to crawl, but I will go. Uh, I want to take it. And um, also, I'm very interested in the time-life therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested. Are you giving that to you, or uh, that one is just uh, one-on-one? Time-life therapy, I mostly just do one-on-one. Or when I teach the NLP practitioner training, it's a part of that, so people mm-hmm. learn how to do it. Occasionally, I offer it in a breakthrough weekend workshop, which is a two-day workshop. Um, I'm not running those as often anymore, though. So it's okay. it's mainly just one on one, or in my my seven day NLP practitioner training. Okay, wow, that's a long time seven day. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's a great way to learn. You just submerge yourself in it, and it's uh, it's the best way to learn it. And uh, the people who did um, this training are they practicing or? They yeah. just need it for themselves. Both. People take it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So I would say about half the people take it because they want to practice it and they want to to be a practitioner of NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy, and they want to do all of this. And I would say another group of people, maybe a quarter of them, take it because they're in business and they want to be better at business. And so they want to improve themselves. They want to learn communication and leadership skills from NLP. And then 
the other quarter of people, they're in it because of themselves. So they come because they want a seven day, seven day training to just be better at being them. So to improve their own performance in life, to learn how to communicate better with maybe their spouse or their children, and to just work on themselves for seven days. You see, this is the things that the school should teach. Mm-hmm. Really, like you can learn geography from books and you can learn history, but these yeah. are really life skills that you're teaching. And yes. I think everybody, if they want to get better, they should spend the time doing that and, and you know, developing it. Are you doing still your three by three by three every day or not really? Um, kind of. I kind of I go in waves with it and I kind of do different things and I yeah. How about you? Are you doing it every day? No, not every day. But uh, I, I started doing the gratitude meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the other thing is uh, I'm going back to the three by three by three. Nice. Because it's one of those things that I think it helps to clear, clear my mind for yeah. me at least. Yeah, absolutely. I always do at the very least. I always do the three things I'm grateful for. Okay. Because I find that something that will just shift my mindset in an instant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still have cat hair on me. That's why I'm touching oh. my hair. <laughs> she has, he has very, very thin uh, hair. And oh, yeah. I'm and you get taking out from my lashes. And, yeah. I, know, I get that. Too. I have a cat with very fine, yeah. long, fluffy hair. And it's the same thing. It's all over me. I'm on the bus and I'm like, like trying to, you know, to get rid of hair. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm thinking about, uh, I think it's an important question in business and in, in everything. Sometimes you, you lose your mojo, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And you want to get back. And always to start again, it's much harder than when you start, start. What you say to the people who had been in business and something happened or they they went back to work and now they came back and uh, they want to pursue their dream building their business how how you deal with them what you say to them well you're never really starting over because everything that you've done up until that point is experience that you're building on Mm -hmm. so even a business owner who say something happened in life and they're taken out of their business for a while, or maybe, you know, maybe they experience a business failing and mm-hmm. they have to start a new business from scratch. You're never really starting over because you bring with you all that experience, the knowledge that you had previously. We go through these stages of change in our lives. And often when things aren't working or things are starting to fall apart, our, our mechanisms inside is we want to go back to what was working before. Mm-hmm. So often we say, well, if I just did this better, if I just worked harder, if I could just go back to those things I was doing before, everything will be okay. But the problem with that is that you can't go back and, and that never works. And it leads to more frustration and doubt of, okay, well, I keep trying all these things and nothing is working. And then a person might find that everything starts to fall apart and that's where they end up losing their mojo, as you said, and then nothing's working and they get frustrated and they want to give up. And often that's when a client will come to me because they don't know what else to do. But that's a natural part of the human development process. That's what we call the the change state indicator. 
is we go through these cycles in life. And then once you're in that point, you begin to rebuild and a new version of you is born. So the business owner, that's the new business is, is born out of that, but you wouldn't have that if things didn't fall apart before that. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I like, um, I have been, as I said, I have been listening to some of your podcasts and I like how you talk to some of the people, some of the business owners who always take vacations or they priority their priorities uh, to go to the hairdresser to take care <laughs> of themselves instead of the business. I think many businesses in the beginning, they think, oh, I'm in business. I know some people like that. Oh, I'm in business. Oh, you know, like I'm in business. Yeah, but you don't work on it. You're lying on the couch. How you want your business to, yeah. to, to get ahead? Yeah. So I, I believe you get out how much you put in into the business, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. Like a lot of entrepreneurs go into business because they want freedom. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you can have freedom if you're unemployed and you have no business and you have no clients, you'll have all the time freedom in the world because you have nothing else to do. So you can have freedom, but you might not have money. <laughs> you might not have success in the things you really want. So often people get into business for themselves because they think, oh, I want to be my own boss, set my own hours. I'll have all this freedom and flexibility. And yeah, you can have all of that. But do you also want to eat? Do you yeah, want a roof over your head? <laughs> what kind of lifestyle do you want? Do you want to be able to pay your bills? So it's, it's, it's a funny thing. And what most people don't realize is that to make a business work, you have to work really bloody hard. And it's not going to be the 40-hour work week that you did when you were an employee. It's going to be an 80-hour work week. And we see these people with the, the laptop lifestyle and they're out on the beach and they're talking about the four-hour work week and all of these beautiful ideas. But you and you can get there after you work your ass off and put in your time and your dues and you build the business up to a point where you can do that. Yeah. And then you can have the freedom. Yeah. When I, when I work with business owners, I elicit their business values and I do it in a different way than the way a lot of people do values. So we elicit their business values. And one of the problems I see, as soon as I see freedom and money in someone's business values, I know that the business isn't working because you can't have freedom at the same time that you're building the business to make money because you have to work your butt off oh, yeah. you know that once you do that then you can have the freedom and the time flexibility otherwise there's no freedom and i've had people say to me they go terry you never take vacations you never and i mean i do take vacations but they don't see me out on the beach and traveling around the world all year round. And at some point I will do that. But right now I'm focused on building a business so that I can create that kind of luxury lifestyle in the future. But I think also people have to be very realistic because I have been talking to some people. I said, why don't you start your own business? He says, I don't want that headache. I, I'm, not, I'm not disciplined enough to have a business. And I think when you recognize that, that's a definite plus. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, most entrepreneurs in Canada are making less than 68,000 a year. And to me, I just think, well, if you're happy with that, go get a job because you can find a job that will pay you that much. And you'll only work 40 hours a week. 
and maybe you'll get some benefits out of it. And someone else is responsible for making sure the business comes in and someone else is responsible to make sure the lights stay on and that there's money coming through the business. So, you know, I talk to entrepreneurs, if they're happy with that amount of money, then go find a job and save yourself the, the headache and the heartache that comes with being a business owner. I was talking to one business owner, this was maybe about a year ago or so. And she said to me, well, my goal is just to make 60,000 a year. I'd be very happy with that. And I said, if that's all you want to make, then go, go find yourself a job. Yeah. You can find an administrative job doing that. You can work for the city and make that kind of money. Like go find a, a job with a good benefit package and some set hours where you can have weekends free and holidays off. Yeah. Don't put yourself through the, the stress of a business if that's all you want to make. Because the, one of the perks of being an entrepreneur is the sky's the limit when it comes to your income. So I tell people if that's, if that would, if you're satisfied making that kind of money, then find yourself a job that you'd like to do. Can empath be a good business person basically, or you have to be a little bit more um, forward and more tough than being an empath. What do you think? I, I think they can be, and I think they can learn to be. Okay. So I'm someone who used to, and I, I still am an empath, but I used to really identify that, oh, I'm an empath. So I would feel everything that came my way and I'd pick up people's feelings. And then I felt like I had no choice. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I walked into a room and I felt like the, it was bad energy in that room, then I would feel like that would bring, that would affect my emotional state and my way of being. Mm -hmm. And then I would carry that with me. And it was when it was through this work of NLP that I started to realize that, wait a minute, I can be responsible for my energy. I can be responsible for my emotional state. So if I go into a situation where I don't like the energy in the room, instead of being at the effect of that, I can choose to change it. So I think empaths can be very good at business, but they have to learn how to manage their own energy and to take responsibility for how they feel and for their own energy that just because you're sensitive to what's going on around you doesn't mean you have to feel it. It doesn't mean you have to take it on. It doesn't mean it has to ruin your day. You can change the energy in the room. About hypnosis, I'm, I was always curious, how many sessions you need if you want to get rid of some habits or the way you think or past life, uh, not past life, but you know, early childhood life problems. How many sessions would you need for hypnosis? You know, it depends on the person and it depends on the problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's one session okay. and the problem's gone. Sometimes it's a few sessions and the problem's gone. So it really depends on, there's no one size fits all answer. It sort of depends on the person and depends on the nature of the problem. Now, when I, the work that I do, I combine hypnosis and timeline therapy into a breakthrough session. Okay. That's anywhere from four to six hours, depending on the nature of the problem. Okay. Which isn't a lot of time. When you think no. about, you know, conventional therapy is like a lifelong process in many Tell cases. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Freud said that it would, you know, when he created his talk therapy model, Freud said it would take, it would take, what is it? Um, 300 hours over 15 years to affect any cure. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. And lots of commitment. And it's yeah. at the end, you are dead by the time you finish all the therapy. Yeah. 
basically. Well, great business model. <laughs> you have repeat clients for life, yes. but maybe not the best therapy model. So, and I tell everyone, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. And for some people, that's the model that works for them. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I'd rather just have a problem gone in four to 10 hours and be done with it. I like that when people say, oh, I hope it's going to work out. I'm going, I, I'm, I just, I just need this time. I'm, I'm going to work uh, tomorrow. And after, oh, I had something else to, that came in and I couldn't work tomorrow. It's going to be after tomorrow. They have all these excuses and all these hopes and they pray. And you know, I, I have a little joke about that pray that there is John and is going to the church and is praying for two weeks in a row and says, God, please let me win the lottery. Please let me win the lottery. And after two weeks, the sky is opens and uh, God says, John, do me a favor, buy a lottery ticket, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> basically. So everybody's waiting for that, that um, miracle. Yeah. And it never happens. Because it's, you have to take action. And there's a lot of talk. People like to talk about manifestation, that they're going to manifest something in their life. Well, the real secret of manifestation is you have to get off your ass and go do something about it. And, you know, most people, when they talk about manifestation, they talk about, you know, you, you think about it, you meditate on it, you pray on it, but there's no action in what they're talking about or what they're teaching. You have to, you have to go do something about it. Yeah, it doesn't just happen. I know. No, we are, we live in, you know, we're multidimensional beings, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and the way manifestation works when people want something and they want, they want to make the money and they want to have all this wealth and prosperity in their lives. So they get inspired by something. We could say that that's the spiritual. They have an idea and inspiration. They feel drawn to go do something. They, they want something and they don't know where that comes from. And then maybe they think about it. So they focus on what they want. They think about what they want and how it would be when they have it. And they do all the mental work. That's the mental plane. And then they check in with their feelings about it. So maybe they do some emotional work and they, you know, they manage their feelings and they get into a really positive feeling about it. And then that's it. They stop there. So you could, you could think about what you want all day long. You could feel really good about it. You can pray, you can meditate, you can, you know, you can do the vision board, you can say your affirmations, you can do all of that, but nothing happens until you take action. In NLP, we say for magic to work, you have to call a thing what it is. The law of attraction has this, the real secret of it hidden right in the word attraction, and that is action. You have to take action towards what you want. My husband sent me a meme one day and it was, it was so perfect. It said, you know, they say, do what you love and the money will roll in. So I'm sitting on the couch in my underwear, eating pizza, <laughs> waiting for the money to come in. <laughs> it's like, you have to do something. That's good. <laughs> the universe rewards action. You have to take action towards what you want or nothing happens. It's like the story you were just telling you, if you want to win the lottery, you have to buy a ticket. At least, you know, yeah, just the buy, you buy a ticket. You, you know, if you want to make, if you want to have a million dollar business and you have to get off your butt every day and you have to work hard to build that. If you want to buy a car, you don't get the car until you show up on the car lot 
-hmm. and you sign your name on the line, then you have the car. And everything that comes before it is spiritual, mental, emotional work. But nothing physically happens until you bring it into the physical world and you do something about it. Funny people think, okay, I have a business and oh, I'm going to have freedom. You have never worked as hard in, in your entire life than when you work for yourself. Absolutely. It, that's the hardest work ever if you want to achieve some, something. If not, well, just let it go. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. And then you find a job that you'd be happy doing. And so important to have right people around you, the right friends the right husband and I know you are very very um, happy in your marriage and I remember what you said to me once when I was talking to you about this dating uh, boot camp yeah. and uh, what I find online and uh, Greg said please don't ever leave me I don't want to go back to the dating site <laughs> yeah, whenever we it's funny whenever we talk about you know, our friends who are dating or we see something on, you know, we watch a movie or something about people dating and he's just like, don't, please don't leave me. I can't, I can't go back to that. He's like, I can't do Tinder. I can't do these apps. Like, don't, don't make me go through it. You know, it's, it's funny, like uh, that show, what, what we are both watching or you already finished watching is, um, it tries a, di a, a different way of relating people to each other. And, but you, you have to get up. You have to do it. You have to put away your phone. You have to put away everything and concentrate. It's almost like getting a job. Yeah. You know, or building a business. You, you have a focus mm -hmm. and you have your values, your boundaries, and you have to go and uh, fight for it yeah absolutely and i i bet that everybody who is in a relationship tell me if i'm wrong mm -hmm. they saying oh oh if you are in a relationship in the beginning oh it's oh, so easy but they never see that there are hopes there are obstacles you have to overcome but depends yeah. how strong you are in the relationship then you can overcome anything absolutely I do a little bit of couples coaching. It's not the main focus of my practice, but I mm -hmm. sometimes end up with couples. And the thing that I always ask them is, first of all, is this a relationship worth saving? And secondly, are you willing to do whatever it takes? And if both parties say yes on both of them, then the relationship can be saved no matter what the challenge is. But they have to, first of all, believe it's worth saving. And secondly, be willing to do whatever it takes to save it. Yeah. And those are the, you know, and then any relationship can work from that point on if they're willing to do that. Definitely. Definitely. You cannot, one is willing, the other one is not. I have so many friends getting divorced or got divorced and they're going through really crappy, you know, divorces. I don't even know how to say it. And um, they said, no, it's not worth it. One, it says not worth it. The other one wants it. But if you, they are, you are not on the same page, nothing you can do. Do you have any suggestions to people who are interested in any of the, any of the subjects you offer? Yeah, I would say, you know, one way is to just go to my website, mm -hmm. terryholland.ca, or check out my podcast, which I recently changed to the Terry Holland Show. I give lots of information on there. That's a great 
great way to learn more about what I do and, and all of this work that we're talking about. But those I would say would be the two best resources to sort of connect with me and to learn a bit more about it. I'm going to put everything in, in writing. So everybody's going to have all the information. If, if you are struggling, that's my, my take on everything. If you are struggling, you don't know which side is up. That's my cat. <laughs> that's awesome. If uh, you're struggling and you don't know how, uh, how to get out of the rut, then uh, get in touch with uh, Terry and yeah. uh, she can help you to get out of the rut and even strive. Thank mm -hmm. you, Terry. I so appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this uh, interview with Terry Holland. I really like having her because she has always something interesting to to say really if you want little information that can help you in your business listen to the podcast so until next time live the life of your dreams with the partner of your dreams Lady Eva says goodbye <laughs>